0: That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: This episode is brought to you by Diageo Bar Academy. Learn more at diageobaracademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O baracademy.com.
2: This episode is brought to you by Just Egg. You can't have plant-based breakfast without a plant-based egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to ju.st slash hrn.
0: This week on Meet 3, we're talking organization. Not mise en place or keeping your knives in a row, but labor organizing.
1: If any restaurant worker is listening to this and is like, yes, I want something different, but I don't know where to start first step they just need to do is to find one of us and get plugged in.
0: As independent contractors, they can't directly tell people, you know, when or or where to work, but by using sort of gamified nudges to push people, that is sort of how they um, move the workforce around. Tune in to Meet in 3, available wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Well, hello. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It is Monday, May 17th, 2021. This show will be airing this coming Wednesday, and it is our 289th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is an outstanding chef who is now working in a corporate position, and I'll introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip, Then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to protect and preserve your reputation. Yes, our name is essentially all that we got. It's our brand and how we are perceived in the world. Our reputation influences our relationships and opportunities both professionally and socially. So let's build good ones and work to maintain them, as reputations are everything. That's my tip today. Now, I'm really thrilled to have my guest joining me. It is Brian Bistrong. He is the Corporate Executive Chef of the Canal Companies The Park and Culinary Program Director of the Park's Hospitality Group, Table & Banter. With years of rich and diverse experience, working side by side with renowned chefs such as Wolfgang Puck, David Boulay, and Gray Coons, as well as running his own restaurant Brayburn in Manhattan's West Village, Brian offers a wealth of knowledge and passion at New Jersey's premier catering and events destination. Without further ado, hi Brian, welcome to the show.
3: Hi Sherry, great to be here. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. Thank you for joining me. Of there course. Is- so much to talk about with you because your your, your career is incredible.
3: <laughs> I've been pretty fortunate, for sure.
1: I have to say. So let's start out with your background. How did you get into the industry? When did you know you wanted to be a chef?
3: Sure. Well, um, I grew up in New Jersey. I'm a Jersey boy from Central Jersey. Uh, kind of started... With food at a really young age, Uh, my first job was actually on a farm down the street. And I used to um, ride my bike down there at 15 and uh, work in the orchards, planting strawberries, picking peaches and things like that. And then, you know, I always have fond memories of my grandmother um, cooking and baking. And then a good friend of mine who lived down the street, his family had a restaurant on the Jersey Shore. So... At 16 years old, I spent my summers away from my family, living with my friend and his grandmother, uh, working on the Jersey Shore at their restaurant and started washing dishes and then prep cook, then cook. And um, I just caught the bug really um, quite early and then uh, went to cooking school out of high school.
1: Yeah. So, And you went to the Culinary Institute of America? Went to,
3: yeah. So out of high school... Um, I went right into the CIA in in Hyde Park and, uh, after I graduated, I did feel, uh, very young still to start working. And I knew, uh, some of my friends who had went to Johnson and Wales continued on to get their bachelor's degree, um, in hotel management. So I started looking at different schools around the country and Boston university had a program and, um, Once I visited Boston, I fell in love with the city. Um, You know, being in Hyde Park, you're pretty isolated. And then when you go to Boston, there's so many schools, great music scene. And uh, so I transferred, uh, went to BU and got my hotel degree uh, in two and a half years uh, from cooking school.
1: And then where did you work? What was your first job after that?
3: So first job was at Lespinasse in New York City. Um, so when I went to BU, I was also a teaching assistant in the food preparatory classes at the hotel school. And uh, the other teaching assistant that was there when I got there was Rocco Dispirito. Uh, so we became really good friends. Um, he graduated uh, a year before me and he moved to New York and was on the opening team at Lespinasse, and so when I graduated, I was talking to him, uh, and uh, he got me a stage at uh, Lespinasse. It had just opened; it was like a couple months new, and uh, stage there, and then uh, Great Kunz offered me a job the the same day, and and I took it.
1: Wow! Amazing. Yeah. Okay. yeah. What?
3: What?
1: What years are we talking here, just as a reference point?
3: That was like 1990.
1: Yeah, because I never dined at, at Les Biennals. I've just only heard amazing things about it.
3: Yeah, it was pretty amazing, um, especially in the with the opening team. The, the chefs that were in there, I mean, Floyd Cardoz at the time was in the main kitchen um, and then came over um, and uh, – there was um, Troy Dupuis, who's, who, who was in there, Todd Humphreys, just an incredible uh, amount of talented chefs who had come from all the different restaurants at the time in, in New York, the great restaurants. People came from Le Bernardin, people came from Boulay, from the Quilted Giraffe, from, from jean George when he was at the Lafayette. It was a really super talented team of um, chefs.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> is your it is. It really is. And and your your experience and is after that did, is that when you went on to work with uh, David Boulet or take I did. On? I
3: took I worked so I worked for Grey for um like I think for about a year and a half and then I didn't know what I what I was going to do. I just I had wanted to go to another restaurant. I actually took the summer and worked in Fire Island at the dock which um uh, Phil Suarez owned oh, yeah. i think, I think he still owned. now it's John George okay. yes cuz Phil Phil was one of his backers for some of his restaurants so mm-hmm. i spent the the summer there the season there which was amazing um never uh had been to fire island before didn't know much about it um you know no cars you receive your uh your deliveries every day at the dock when the ferry comes in and then that's it. Um, uh, So we did contemporary American food there in Fair Harbor. Um, I was trying to get into pastry or baking and I ended up working for Amy's bread for about six, seven months, which was an amazing job. And then I really got the bug back to cook again. And that's when I, um, I took the job um, as Saucier at Boulay at the original Boulay at 165 Duane Street.
1: Wow. I mean, th- what was your experience like? And then I know you also took some time to go overseas. And Yes.
3: Yeah. I mean, again, that was at the time that Boulet was like number one in Zagat. It was four-star New York Times, incredibly b- busy business lunches, and then you know, packed dinners with, you know, lots of actors and you know, just lovers of food. Um, Tribeca back then was pretty magical. It wasn't so built up yet. Um, the little park across the street is, wasn't redone actually across the street was Harry Wills, one of our, um, dairy purveyors that, that everyone used. So we could like walk and get things if we, if we needed it. Um, and it was again, like a high powered, really busy focused kitchen. Um, you know, Gray and David are qu- quite different, both incredibly talented, but there was definitely some chaos in the kitchen at Boulet. It was um, very um, inventful. Uh, and so sometimes we just, he would just make dishes out of the blue um, and you had to be ready for that. Um, but an incredible palate and an incredible cook. He cooked with us every service, lunch and dinner with all the cooks. He cooked the fish. Yeah, it was pretty impressive.
1: I didn't, I've dined there, but not, I mean, I didn't dine there until, maybe it was like, I'm guessing seven or eight years ago. I mean, it was such an amazing experience, but he had been around for a long time, but it's it's a magical restaurant.
3: It was incredible. I mean, he built it with his brother. You know, he was known for his vaulted ceilings and he -hmm. built that from scratch with his brother. Um, and there was just a lot of details to everything, to the doors, to, you know, the table costs and, um, to the menus that we would print every day, um, for the tasting menus and really showed me, um, how to be so passionate about certain ingredients. He used to have the, the waiters after they worked lunch and dinner, he'd have a waiter take his truck, drive up to the Cape pick up fish and drive back the next day. Um, you know he's yeah. he, the the farmers from the farmers market, you know, you they would come in the morning and make deliveries and it was it, it was just incredible.
1: So when as I mean I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, yeah. but when did, when did you have the idea or did you always have the idea that maybe you'd want to have your own restaurant? Um
3: Yeah. I always, I always had thought about it. And then when I worked for Jimmy Bradley at the Harrison again in Tribeca, Mm -hmm. um, that's where I met my, my, my business partner, John Paul O'Neill, um, who worked for Dan Barber and worked for Danny Meyer. He was the general manager of the restaurant. And I thought the Harrison was really another magical restaurant, you know, contemporary American, but not super fancy, um, really great service, good food, and really liked the whole package of of the Harrison. And, and our d- idea was to kind of do our own version of that in the West Village because we thought it was... It was like a, a really beautiful restaurant, um, somewhere you could go every day or for a special occasion. It had a private room. So it was a good business model as well um, to make money and make a living.
1: Yeah. And I remember I did dine there at Braeburn and I had a great experience. And yeah. What? So, so what? So, and I was looking back you got a one-star review by Frank Bruni in the New York yeah. Times. And, um, I mean, what, what led you to eventually close that? And, and then, so, yeah. Yeah.
3: So we opened Braeburn, uh, really at the worst time ever. We opened, you know, in 2008, um, <laughs> the week that Lehman Brothers crashed right. and the world imploded. And, um, yeah, timing. it was incredibly scary. Um, you know, we weren't doing the business um, that we needed to. You know, the one-star review was—we were—we were a little. It was tough. We thought we were going to get um, two. Just was a little, um, a, you know, was a little tough. But um, we plowed through it and continued to make good food. But it was just the business was not there. Um, and so we ended up, um, selling it uh, we sold it to some friends from the Red Cat, one of the sous chefs and assistant managers. And, um, it's still there, which makes me really happy for them. It's called the left bank. And, um, you know, we tried yeah. and we moved on. Uh, that's when I went back to Boulay, but, um, it was a yeah. great experience. Well, Tough, it's- but great
1: and i only have i mean i think i think i give you a lot of credit i think it was a wonderful restaurant and um and i can't imagine i mean i think it's it's really hard to to be the chef and owner of a restaurant in new york city with all everything that it's it entails um you your experience so that you, you went back to boulé and then let's jump into a little how you got into the corporate track because sure. That's been I guess over I don't know over the past five, ten years more the route you've gone,
3: yes, so I was out in California, and I was at the time working uh I was doing research and development, which kind of my first kind of corporate job, I was doing research and development for Wolfgang Puck in Los Angeles um which is which was a great job, mm-hmm. Awesome man, great chef, and a gentleman. Um, But I had gotten a call um, from Dean and DeLuca uh, to go back to New York and take over their prepared foods and catering. Um, It was recently purchased at the time by a Thai businessman. They actually brought Giorgio DeLuca back on uh, to consult. And I thought it was. A great opportunity because I remember when I first moved to New York, Dina DeLuca was the place to go. Mm -hmm. And I felt it lost something. But at the time when they were telling me what they were doing, I thought this is a great opportunity to bring Dina DeLuca back uh, to its heyday. And so I worked worked then there. Um, And then they were just having financial – issues. Um, I think retail food has changed so much and things are so much more accessible than they used to be. Um, you can get anything you want pretty much on the internet now um, instead of going there. And um, in the end, it just didn't work out for Dean and DeLuca. And and that's when I got a call from a friend from Wolfgang about working for Connell Company um, and developing their whole park and it was um, a little bit of process for me to buy in, you know, to move to New Jer- to to work in New Jersey, um, you know, and and go this route. And it has been the best thing ever. I mean, I love it because I get to cook, I get to be creative, um, and we're doing all these different projects here on the on the campus.
1: I, lo- I love that. I love you could hear it in your voice that, you know, you're excited about it, and it's wonderful.
3: Oh, I really enjoy. I love coming to work every day, um, and I ha- we have so many different projects, and we've been able to attract some great talent to come from New York, and there is life in New Jersey, and we're really um, bringing up uh, and elevating the food and the expectations here in New Jersey.
1: Yeah. So, so for people listening who aren't familiar with the park and the canal company, yes. tell us a little bit about it. Cause I mean, you've, you've told me a, a bit and I've, I've been on your website and kind of looking around and it's, there's a lot going on.
3: <laughs> we have a lot going on. So it's a, it's a, it was originally built as a, a business campus in the eighties. It's 185 acres we have six office buildings. We have a hotel and restaurant, and um, some of the buildings are are net leases. Like L'Oréal has a net lease on one of the buildings. Um, so the owners are redeveloping the campus to bring, you know, this to the next generation of a business campus. So there's a, it's a lot of. Live, work, amenities, health, um, healthy food, um, exercise, fitness, all these things. So, we finished the first um, building, redeveloping it. It has a new cafe in there, um, which offers kind of versions of things you see in New York City. So, it's not institutional. It has kind of our version of a dig in. We have a bowl bar. We're using, you know, Really good coffee from Intelligentsia. And then we have a fitness center where we have a a trainer available to all the tenants. We have a nutritionist as well. We've brought in um, a medical group, um, Eden Health. So you could, if you wanted to get your checkup there, you could, or your COVID test. Um, So we're bringing all these different amenities for the public, for our tenants. To use And then we're also developing um, the campus to have parks for the community. Um, we're going to have a dog run. We're going to have a playground. Um, we're going to have more food outlets, a taqueria, a beer garden. Um, we're basically building um, a city on this campus that you'll have everything that you pretty much need to day to day on the campus.
1: Wow. And there's, there's yeah. also a hotel, right?
3: Yes, we have the hotel and we have the restaurant there, Grain and Cane, uh, which we're having an amazing business run right now. Um, we're having busier and busier weekends. Our chef, um, Louis, Louis Bela, um, came from Andrew Carmelini and Michael Anthony at Gramercy. Um, he's been on since January and has really brought the food up to another level. So we have that already. And we have the first cafe and we've started um, construction on the next building, which will uh, house our commissary in order for us to do all the food for the campus and the cafes, as well as catering um, on and off campus. And then it will eventually support the other food outlets on the campus.
1: Wow. So how about how many people are you cooking for?
3: (laughs) pre-covid there was about close to 5000 people on the campus every day now obviously you don't capture 100% you know but we were cooking pre-covid you know breakfast and lunch we were doing we were probably cooking for 5 to 700 people a day in the cafes and then the restaurant was averaging you know around 200 people a day between lunch and dinner that was during the week and on the weekends we could be doing, you know, three three fifty.
1: Now, if I want to come to the campus, can yeah. I as as a you know someone who's not a tenant, or do I need to know someone? I mean, I know you, so I could probably get in.
3: Sure. <laughs> yes. So right now, the 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 first cafe is really for the tenants only. Okay. Eventually, our, our third project that's going to be opening in Building three hundred that will. Uh, be open to the public and to the tenants and that'll have bakery pizza fitness center as well and that will be open to the public
1: and how how does one get there is this some you need a car is there public transportation there is public
3: transportation um the, the easiest way is a car we're only 25 minutes 30 minutes um to the holland tunnel Okay. um so we're quite close to the city we're off of um we're really we're right off of um, route 78. We're close to Summit New Jersey. Um, we're in Berkeley Heights. Uh, you can also take a train um, to Berkeley Heights and then there's a shuttle that brings you from the town of Berkeley Heights um, to where we are which is really only a mile and a half away.
1: Okay well I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to visit <laughs> you
3: should it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing what we're doing.
1: Yeah no it sounds amazing. So let me ask you my question for my last guest on episode 288. I had on Adam Fournier. He's the 2021 US Bartender of the Year by USBG Presents World Class, sponsored by Diageo. Mm-hmm.
0: So his question
1: is With the recent announcement of 11 Madison Park going completely plant based with its new yes. menu when it reopens, Do you see this being a trend on a larger scale in the restaurant industry, especially as you work in a more corporate and egalitarian level of dining than fine dining? What do you think?
3: I think you are seeing more of um, a plant-based diet. Um, We definitely have tenants who who are vegetarians. Um, I think in our campus, because we have so many different types of people that There will always be some meat, but we're trying to be responsible in sourcing it. Um, But I think you're going to find people eating less meat than usual Mm -hmm. Um, just because, um, I mean, you don't need to eat uh, that kind of protein every day. Uh, You can get other sources. And I think people are definitely more mindful uh, of their health and their choices that they're um, making for food.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I just saw yesterday um, Single Thread the, or the team from Single Thread out in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh, California is taking yeah. over the shed and they're making it a meatless restaurant. And that's um, I've, I'm so for, I'm very fortunate to have gone to Single Thread before and been to one oh, wow. too. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. It is. It's a beautiful space. Both are. I was out at the the uh, Worlds of Flavor Conference conference. Um, out in Napa a couple of years ago. So I tied that in. Um, but I just, I mean, this is another like big name, fine dining, uh, rest, tours uh, chefs who are, are doing meatless. So, uh, I think we're going to start seeing more of that.
3: I think, I think you are. At, or, and I think, or you're going to also see just, you know, that the vegetables will be the highlight. And, you know, if it is a, a, a piece of chicken or, or meat, it's going to be in the background. It's a supporting role uh, for the dish and it'll be less. So, yeah.
1: So, so what advice would you give to someone who, who wants to be a chef, maybe wants to own their own restaurant or, or, or go the corporate route? I mean, you've, you've covered a lot of different, as a chef, you've, you've worked in a different, a lot of different types of restaurants and positions. I have yeah so well, what would you say to someone listening who's like wants to wants to be a chef?
3: Well, f- first of all, I think you really um, need to love cooking uh, and love working, uh, because <laughs> you know we are in the hospitality industry, so that means you work when people don't work a lot of the times. So you know, I've missed a lot of holidays. And birthdays, anniversaries, and all those things. So you you have to be ready for that. Um, and but there's there's so much satisfaction when when you're cooking and, and making people happy. Um, the corporate route you get a, you get you know you definitely get um, more of a life. I get holidays off now, um, and I get to spend more time with my family and, and, and see them. Um, and it's still extremely creative, uh, you know, restaurants, there's definitely something about restaurants. They're a little more sexy and exciting. Um, but I think, uh, you can find that balance in the corporate, um, route as well.
1: Yeah, no, it's true. It's funny you say that, like what's, what might be corporate, um, versus a regular restaurant or being more, uh, right. I don't know the, the sexiness. I
3: (laughs) I mean, I know, I know when I first got my phone call from now my boss and he said, I want you to come to New Jersey. And I'm like, nah, not going to go to New Jersey. And, you know, I looked up where it was. I'm like, okay, it's not that far. And I, then I looked up graining cane, the, the restaurant and it looked beautiful. I looked at the menu, looked at the photographs. I'm like, okay, maybe I can do this. And then I came out and I met him, and I met uh, one of the owners at the time, um, Shane Connell, and they showed me what they were doing and what where they were going, and I was like, "Wow, this is amazing." I'd say the closest thing that, that we're doing right now was kind of like the company in uh, a company in in Manhattan um, uh, by. Uh,
1: I actually I know I know Grace Ann Jordan who's Correct I saw you posted something and,
3: with her yep
1: and I just I got a tour of their space um about 2 weeks ago I met up with her so yeah uh it was cool to see um they're right they're right in in midtown by Grand Correct. Central station so yeah um but that was So they're are- yeah.
3: Yeah, so they're like a vertical campus, and we're on a we you know we're in the suburbs, so mm-hmm. we're 185 acres acres spread out. But it's funny because they also have the same medical group in their building, Eden Health. This virtual doctor plus you can go. They have a few brick and mortar uh, offices, and one of them's in there. They're doing coffee. We're doing coffee. You know, they have the the bar um, that uh, right right by Grand Central. So lot of similarities um and you know super exciting so we're bringing we're bringing new york um over here to elevate new jersey and our campus
1: yeah well it's cool and to see more of this these types of um uh, i don't know um, companies that are happening and and i have to say you know you uh, i was thinking my a tip i i need to have coming up would be to be open-minded because that's kind of what you're saying when you get the call and, and, you know, maybe a little, like, not sure if this is for you, but um, right. And once you, once you looked into it being like, wait, this is for me. And, um, and, and I have to say too, my tip today with, with um, having a great reputation, I feel, I feel I got that just, I was thinking about your career because I feel everything I know you've, you've, you know, you've worked with so many, so many, reputable chefs and i feel your reputation has like followed you along in like this path like you know you're very you're very well liked and i think respected
3: well thank you that's nice to hear you're very you know i i think uh i'm i'm super passionate about about food uh and and super passionate about hospitality which is a big part of what we do um and making just making the guest happy and, and there's there's a lot of ways uh to accomplish that.
1: Yeah, true. So uh let's take a little break and we okay. will come back, we'll play my speedrun game, we'll talk some industry news, I have my solo dining experience and the final question. So stay with us. This is all in the industry on heritage radio network. <laughs>
2: Just Egg is now the fastest-growing egg brand in the United States. Bring more plant-based consumers in your doors with easy-to-use Just Egg. You can get started with a free sample. Just head to h r, H R N. that's H R N. Made from plants, Just Egg is a better egg for you and for the planet. It's healthier, with no cholesterol, and less saturated fat. And it's more sustainable. Just Egg uses less water and generates fewer carbon emissions. Most importantly, it's delicious. For our listeners who operate a food service establishment, you can get a sample for free head to ju.st/hrn that's ju.st/hrn just egg makes a delicious plant-based addition to any menu it's available as a liquid scramble great for omelets frittatas stir-fries and french toast there's also a frozen pre-baked folded version that's ideal for filling breakfast sandwiches or topping salads Chef Jose Andres calls Just Egg mind blowing and Bon Appetit says it's so good, I feel guilty eating it. Put the fastest growing egg brand on your menu. Get a free sample of Just Egg for your restaurant at ju.st
1: slash hrm. Managing a bar requires understanding more than just drinks. At Diageo Bar Academy, you'll find free training and resources to optimize operations, profitability, teamwork, and more, including bar management to step up your social media marketing and create profitable menus, masterclass events with global industry experts, and finance and budgeting tools to increase profit margins. Stay informed, inspired, and connected to grow your career or business by joining Diageo Bar Academy today. Visit DiageoBarAcademy.com. That's D-I-A-G-E-O BarAcademy.com. Become a member and sign up for the newsletter. It's completely free, and you will be amazed at all they have to offer. That's DiageoBarAcademy.com. D-I-A-G-E-O BarAcademy.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Brian Bistrong. He is the corporate executive chef at the Cornell Company's The Park and culinary program director at The Park's hospitality group Table & Banter. So, Brian, it's time for my speed round game. What this is is I'm going to name a couple things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. Here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates?
3: Small plates.
1: Communal table or chef's counter?
3: Communal table.
1: Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Working the line or expediting?
3: Working the line
1: thought you might say that (laughs) um how about union square green market or the original farmer's market in la because i know you spent some time in los angeles oh
3: that's a tough one i'd have to say union square just because i have such great relationships there
1: cool okay two more cheese plate or dessert dessert manhattan or brooklyn brooklyn cool. That's the game. Nice. All right. So for industry news, um, the wall street journal had an article entitled now trending in Miami or Manhattan dining hotspots, upscale restaurants from New York city have opened and or announced plans to open outposts in South Florida's trendiest neighborhoods. And this was by Arian Campo Flores. So, I mean, I'm, I'm heading down to Miami actually in a couple of days for the South Beach Wine and Food Festival and um, Miami is my hometown. So it's always interesting for me to see this these type of articles and news about what's happening there. Um, and it is true. There's a lot of a lot of uh, New York restaurants have recently opened like Carbone and Coat and Red Rooster Overtown. Um, I think my own take a little bit was I don't know if this is like the first time we've seen this, but um with with New York City restaurants going down there, but I don't know, Brian, what's your what's your take on on this?
3: On New York City restaurants
1: in in Miami? Yeah, is it? Um, I don't know. Is this just a a trend, or is this something you think is, is going to all these places will last or thrive? I don't.
3: I don't know if all of them will last. I think things will change. I think you're also going to see chefs from other parts of the country maybe go there that have left New York or other major cities, um, you know, and then there's always the element of people developing their, their restaurants right in, in Miami. Um, I don't know if that was vague or not, but.
1: Yeah, I don't, I mean, it's, I think, I think that's true. I was, I was just looking to like refresh my memory of who's open there. And a couple of years ago we had, um, Scarpetta and the Dutch, and Lucali and Upland open, Upland has now closed. That's where um, Carbone has took over that space. So mm-hmm. um, I think Miami is, is, it's a different, they have, it's not, They I mean, people don't think they have seasons, but they the seasons is kind of like hot or like hot, really hot. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and summer is tough. Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, we'll have to, we'll have to see. I don't know if, um, I'm thinking with all of the restaurants you've you know, worked with and experience if anyone's opened in Miami. But I don't know if they have.
3: I think Boulay did um, for a short period of time was the one chef. Um, and then well, Wolfgang is not in Miami, but he's at Disney World. Yeah. But for me, I have to say, for me as a New Yorker, because I know these restaurants, maybe it's a little different. I would want to try some like really local places and definitely some Cuban spots and Latin, you know, Latin spots, um, to see what else there is. Um, you know, that's what I would do. Um, going, um, and then I would, I mean, I would definitely hit like Lucalia there. Um, cause it's so hard to get to uh, get in, in, in Brooklyn.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm with you. I feel, I mean, it's, I, maybe it's a different mindset too, as someone who lives in, in New York being that I, I don't necessarily need to try these restaurants in Miami when you have them here, except for the ones that are super hard to get into. Um, yeah. But I have to say Carbone, I di- I wasn't, I'm not, you know, I don't feel I need to go down there in Miami, but I did look to see what their reservations were like. And there's zero availability unless you want to dine at like 1130 PM on a Tuesday.
3: Wow. <laughs> Good for them. Yeah. That's- good for them.
1: Yeah, seriously. So, well, um I guess I'll report back once I get down there see what the scene's like and yeah. um, and uh well, then we'll see. We'll see how how this all goes for everyone and who else continues to go down there. The other big one was that uh pastis was going to be opening down there next year. So,
3: huh. I think that could do very well.
1: Yeah, I could see that doing well too.
3: I know um hometown is there too now, right?
1: Yeah, hometown I Barber- I did. I did a drive-by once when I was down, and and um, and then I'll s- tell you some a really funny funny thing, or I thought it was funny. I was I was in Miami in February, and I was driving on the highway in my dad's convertible, and I smell. I could smell barbecue when I passed by their place. And it wasn't that I, like I realized as I was smelling barbecue that, oh, hometown is right by here. And I couldn't believe I was on the highway and this was happening. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So um, yeah, they have a really big spot and I think that's probably doing well too. I'll have to dine there at some point. So, okay. Um, Just a reminder to everyone that i have all in the industry swag available on my website allintheindustry.com backslash merch and all of my proceeds from my hat sales are going to be donated to the independent restaurant coalition through may 31st so go on there and get your hats and support a great cause okay so for my solo dining experience this week here it is it's at Manresa at Intersect by by Lexus. The location, 412 West 14th Street, Meatpacking District, New York City. The concept, restaurant in residence by three Michelin starred Manresa from Los Gatos, California. A collaboration between Intersects by Lexus in New York City and Union Square Hospitality Group. The menu was inspired by California Coast. The chef owner is David Kinch. Intersex executive chef is Nicholas Martinez. Why did I go? Well, because Manresa is an extremely special restaurant, and I had the opportunity uh, to to go there in New York City, so I figured uh, I, I had to take it. My experience. So, Another popular reservation to get, I got a reservation at 9.30 on Friday night, and that's probably the latest I've dined out in a long time. Um, But I went, the dining room was still full, I had a really nice table facing the open kitchen, and I had a lovely experience. Uh, Chef Kinch wasn't there, he's no longer in town, he was here for a couple days at the beginning of this launch, so we'll see. Um, I think they're planning to do this menu through September, so perhaps he'll be back. So what did I get? I got striped Jack sashimi style with sesame, radish, and citrus. I got roasted aged duck with five vegetable and fermented carrot juice. And I got chocolate cre- the chocolate cre- crescent with uzu, chicory, and kaheta. So my take, it was all really wonderful. The sashimi was super fresh, um, a nice combination with the, the sauce it was on. Uh, the duck was excellent. It, it loved all the vegetables it came with. And the dessert was really divine. And it's a must for any chocolate lover. The ambiance it's a spacious, modern second floor dining room with an open kitchen. Downstairs, they used to have a coffee shop. I've actually used to work from that coffee shop, but they converted it into a, a sexy lounge. So, and that was kind of happening um, on this Friday night. Perfect for I'm going back to my third date place. I don't know. I said it last week. I feel this is another good one for that. Interesting tidbit chef kinch's other projects include manresa bread and his first casual concept the bywater which is a new orleans themed bar and restaurant these are all in california and uh, chef kinch also won the james beard foundation's best chef in pacific in 2010. Uh, so personal fun fact um i met chef kinch a few years ago in 2017 when I dined solo at Manresa. And I talked about it on episode 140, if anyone wants to go back and listen. This is his place in Los Gatos, California. And um, about a month ago, I went to Intercept by Lexus with the the restaurant in residence they had prior, and that was The Gray with Mashama Bailey. And that was also excellent. So this concept, I really, you know, it's very cool, the bringing in uh, rotating restaurants and chefs. You get to try a lot of different cuisines from across the country, maybe the world. So the cost of my meal was $92. That's not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes, their website is intersect-nyc.com. So there you go. Brian, have you been to this space, the Intersects uh, by Lexus?
3: I have not. I remember when I when Dina DeLuca's uh, – commissary used to be over there i remember they were building it back then and i haven't been over there since but i would i would always want to go to benresa so i might have to go to intersect first it's a little closer and then uh it's definitely on my bucket list to eat at menresa and los gatos
1: yeah it was a special experience and and this is this is worth checking out. I mean they do a really nice job the it's run by you know u s h g and so they have the mm-hmm. hospitality thing down <laughs> and they're able to execute um these different menus so um I recommend it
3: yeah I saw your photos on Instagram and they looked the food looked great
1: yeah thanks it was it really was okay so Time for the final question. My next guest is Anthony Mangieri. He's known as the Pizza Pope and he's a New York City premier pizza maker with his restaurant Una Pizza Napolitana, which is now open in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey. Um, So Brian, what would you like to ask Anthony?
3: Well, someone who has been working on pizza dough for a long time now this past year during COVID I've had time I was be interested how long did it take him to develop to develop his dough and how does he have to change it with the the seasons and the temperature I'd be really interested to hear that
1: That's a good question yeah. And does he
3: does he take stages because I would love to go work for him for a day if he'd let me <laughs>
1: Well, I, I feel, I feel, I will, I'll, I'll put that in my note to him too, and I think he'd take you. I mean, yeah, why wouldn't he? <laughs> um well, thank you. So I will find out, and um, that's the show. I apologize if we're getting some background noise from my work at home situation I don't know if how much that's picked up but if it has I apologize in advance to anyone listening Um, but Brian thank you so much for joining me you're thank you for having me you're you're wonderful I can't wait to uh, get out and see what you're doing out in New Jersey and um, I wish you much continued success
3: thank you thank you for having me
1: you're welcome thank you My guest today has been Brian Bistrong. He is the corporate executive chef at the Cornell Companies, the park, and culinary program director of the Parks Hospitality Group, Table and Banter. Their website is conelco.com, and you can follow Brian on social media at B this strong. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at all industry. My Facebook page is all in the industry. My websites are bayer publicrelations.com, sherrybayer.com and allintheindustry.com. All of our shows are archived at heritage Radio network.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher and Spotify. Thanks to my engineer, Amanda Wang, and thanks again to Brian. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer. I will be off next week as I'm heading down to Miami for South Beach Wine and Food Festival. I'll be back Wednesday, June 2nd with a new show. I hope you'll tune in then and stay safe and well. And thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye.